Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast uh, in our series called The Edge. Um, today, I'm going to be flying solo again. Uh, Mr. Spiegel, unfortunately, couldn't make it. But I'm very excited to say that I've got Jessica Boyer here with me. I'm very excited for you to come along, Jessica. Um, is it Jess or Jessica? What do you prefer? Either one, Jess or Jessica. I'm good with anybody. And um really happy to be here finally. And um, thank you for inviting me. I, I enjoy these kind of uh, conversations. Well, so I, I'm I'm definitely a talker. You've probably can tell if you've listened to my, my other podcasts and no doubt we'll get to talk about food at some point. Because <laughs> um, it's one of my hobbies. Um, nope. But let's kick off as as I do with all of these kind of podcasts. Let let's let's dive a little bit into your background because I've stalked you a little bit on LinkedIn um, as I do. I I, I kind of do my research. Um, but for for our listeners, kind of explain kind of where you started, where your career started, and how how you got to where you are today. So it's the year twenty twenty three. So about twenty three years ago now. <laughs> I um I started my first uh dive into IT um with a technical trade school that was local to this area um after graduating high school um and it really it was my mother who um kind of like pushed me into getting into that area because she she was a nurse and she still is a nurse she almost she's almost 72 and she's still a nurse and um, she had brought home this Windows 3.1, this huge honking like tower with this huge monitor. She had brought it home from work because she had to do a lot of documentation and stuff like that for audits that they go through for the hospitals. And um, she brought it home and something had happened to it. I don't even remember what, but I got in there and just like fixed it for, you know, um, I had to have been maybe 16 and she was like shocked a little bit, you know, because we we didn't have a computer at home. We were, you know, um, the only computers I'd messed with were were, you know, at school, you know, playing the Oregon Trail <laughs> on those, you know, the big floppy yeah. <laughs> on Apple computers. So that was that was my only experience. And so she was like, you might want to make a career out of this, you know. So when it came time for me, when I graduated high school, um, we got to looking at the technical trade school and there was a year long uh, course called um, microcomputers, hardware, software, network technician. And it was over a year long and it was all about break, fix and build. Like we had our hands on everything. We built our first networking lab there. We started the first Cisco lab there for the next class. Um they would take us out to like schools and community and we do community projects. And like um, there was the military base here would sell off or get rid of some of their computer, old computer equipment and donate it to schools. And so we would go in and fix and part in pieces and build it, you know, image it and things of that nature so that they could donate to the local schools here. So we really had our hands on, like just hands on in it and barely broke into the books um, and I absolutely loved it. Like, I loved it so much. And my instructor was an old military retiree, and he was fantastic. Um, he, I remember breaking my first motherboard in his class. <laughs> I had yeah. screwed it down wrong, and it cracked it. <laughs> and I was there, I was like, oh, my God. I was just like, he was like, I'll, I'll never forget this. He's like, well, if you don't, if you don't break it, how are you going to know how to fix it? 
And that stuck with me the rest yeah. of my life. Like, and I was never afraid again after that fear of, you know, that fear of failure, failure, fear of messing up that we can all have within, within this industry. Um, you know, if something's not broke. How do we know how to fix it? And we, and we learn from mistakes, right? We all right. learn from mistakes. Human learn from the things they do wrong and not the things they do right. So I, I, I had a similar kind of event where I was putting RAM onto a motherboard once and I, I pushed a bit hard and, and broke yep. the motherboard. Um, but where, where did you go on after that? So I got my first job. Um, well, actually, my first job was in retail. I worked at Kmart until I actually got my first real job. And I graduated my school. I started with a company called Advanced Systems Technology, and they hired me as their IT support. And it just took off from there. And I did IT support. And then I went up from did that. I did network admin. I did system administration and just kind of just grew my career. And, you know, you know, weaving in through all that, you know, years, like I've gotten married, got divorced, had kids, and I've had career breaks where I had to take off, you know, because my last daughter was born at one pound, four ounces. Oh, very wow. premature. So I had a, I've had a pretty good career break in that and then had to restart. And then um, in 2020, I was working a short-term contract for the Goodyear plant. Um, and we were doing some um, upgrades for their computer systems and stuff like that. Well, the pandemic hit. And so that contract ended and I was like, now what? <laughs> I'm kind of in a smaller city and the tech jobs are not plentiful here. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to drive my career towards cybersecurity because throughout my career, you know, security is important. And even as a system admin, network admin, even IT support, we all have our hands in some type of security. And so I knew that's where the industry was really taken off and where I wanted to go. I wanted to continue growing in this. And I had my profile sitting out there since 2014, but I never really did anything with it. So here I was, you know, jobless. And I was like, why not? So I started getting on there. I started, you know, connecting with a lot of people in the cybersecurity community, the IT support community. And I started uh, making content, started interacting with a lot of people. And then one person challenged me to do start doing video content. And from there, my previous um, my previous job, which was a company out of California called eHealth, um, my manager, um, she saw my video content and reached out to me and asked me to apply. So I had no idea about the role. Like I was applying, yeah. but I was, you know, I was going on some interviews, but she reached out to me and wanted me to apply. And so I did. And uh, that was really my first break into actual cybersecurity. Um, and then um, now uh, I've now switched from that company. I work for Blue Cross Blue Shield of R Rhode Island. I'm a senior uh, senior information security analyst. Again, recruited through LinkedIn. Um, they reached out to me. Yeah, I, I see. I never really use LinkedIn, and and so I've come out of, out of a customer. I've this is the first kind of time I've worked on the dark side in sales, and I've been a customer for 25 plus years. So LinkedIn for me was. I wasn't that active on it. I had something like 600 followers or 600 connections. It wasn't, I didn't release content. I released the odd thing. And I saw it very much as a, when you're looking for a job, you go on LinkedIn. 
mm-hmm. and although I think that's still the case, I still think it's very valuable in in kind of finding work. But now I've got almost seven thousand followers, and I'm quite proud of that, which seems odd because there are people out there like fifty thousand. But it, it it's, oh, yeah. it's quite cool, and and I like to do things like this. I like to do the podcasts. I like to release content. I write articles, and I either do that wearing my Axis hat, or I do that like wearing my SSE forum hat. And I like to have these type of conversations. So for me, I've been amazed at how friendly the cyber community is because having grown up and grown through like IT and infrastructure and architecture and stuff, it wasn't that friendly. Um, And that kind of leads me on to my next question, I guess. So being a a female, being a woman kind of in, in IT, and you started off, I guess, kind of like I did, like fixing stuff, getting your hands dirty, getting in the machines and stuff. And I remember looking around in in my twenties and being the only white male, um, being one of like hundreds of white men in the room. That there were no women, no people of color. It it was very and still is very much kind of when I look around on LinkedIn and look at the folks in the industry, it, it's very kind of male white dominated and and i've talked about this before on the pod, podcast and, and and i think diversity across the whole area is, is important um but i certainly remember going on training courses or events and on then not seeing any females and and if there were people were shocked and i'm not i don't think they were treated particularly well and the females that i do know that have been in it and that i've worked with have been so much better than the men because they've had to be, because they've always been kind of in the limelight. So how was it for you? I mean, we when you started off in that first class, were you the only female in, in the room? I was the only female of my age group. Um, I was 18 years old. I was the only female of my age group in that class. There were two um, older women who are now my, you know, what my age is now, probably late 30s, mid 30s, 40s. Um, but that was it. It was just the three of us and the rest of them were, um, like you said, male. Um, there were there were no people of color. It was mostly, you know, um, white, white people. Um, um, but and then throughout my career, too, I basically worked on a lot of teams that were male dominated. and I was the only female on the team. Most all jobs that I had, I, I ended up being the only female now. Now that's different. It has changed a lot. Um, there is a lot more females, uh, you know, on these teams and stuff like that. And, and then actually with eHealth, I was actually on an almost all female cybersecurity team. My my manager was female. We had, I mean, it was it, the diversity on there was amazing. Like it was really, it was really a great team that we had going there, starting out. And um, but like you said, even in leadership roles, it's very male dominated. You don't see a lot of female CISOs. Um, and 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 in leadership too, I think I think it is changing in the industry, but it's a it's a slow progression. Yeah, and I mean, I've had the luxury throughout my career of of traveling all over the globe. I've worked for some global companies. And obviously, people get treated differently depending on where you are in the world. If you're you're in certain areas of Asia, there would be no women in the workforce. I lived in Japan for a while and there were no women. 
Um, America's very different. And what I think traveling taught me was people are people. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your sex. It doesn't matter your gender. None of those things really matter. If you're interested in a topic, you can be very good at that. And I think that's what's really important for when people enter into whatever role they're doing is to do something you like, because that's what fundamentally is important. Um, And like I said, I, I honestly don't, I've worked with some amazing people from from whatever culture whatever religion whatever creed any of those things and it's been phenomenal and i've i think that having a diverse team no matter what industry you work in means that people bring fresh ideas and fresh insights and a different way of thinking i i've told this story before but i had four or five people working for me in, in my previous job and they may as well have been clones of each other um and i would i would give them a problem to solve and they would all solve it absolutely identically and come up with the same answer because they were just clones and that's great if that is the answer but sometimes mm-hmm. you want somebody in that room to go have you thought of this or can we maybe look at this or can we look at that because that's how you get to what is fundamentally the best result yeah. um but but i want to i want to pivot a little bit and talk about mental health and i know it's a delicate topic and I've seen you post about it on LinkedIn and I was really nervous about talking about it with you. And I know we talked about it before we recorded and and you're happy for kind of for the listeners to have a bit of insights because for me, it's a topic that I've suffered throughout the years. I had a really difficult time, um, say 10 years ago. Um, I lost my father. I I was having a rough time at work. I didn't know where I wanted to go in my career. Um, I was hitting that kind of midlife crisis type thing, which people call it. And I, and I really suffered and I didn't realize I was suffering, but, m- but kind of my anxiety and my my stress ended up causing me kind of physical complications. I, I would get achy limbs and achy bones and headaches and all kinds of stuff. And, and I went through a stage of visiting a hospital quite often to get scans and to look into things and to do investigations and and I got all the way through and one of the doctors said do you you think you're just just worried about stuff and stressed out yeah and I class myself as somebody that really doesn't get stressed and when I said that to the doctor like I don't get stressed he was like no no everybody gets stressed you just (laughs) you just don't know that you're stressed yeah and I was like shit I really don't know what to do I've I was I mean I was in my early 40s and I I was starting to feel old and and I and starting to look at the calendar and go like I've used up quite a lot of my life here what 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 am I going to do next and that's part of the reason why I'm doing what I do today um but I know it's been something that's affected you what would you like to say about it what advice could you offer people I've, I've lived, and I'll say this, I've lived with the depressions from a very young age. And, um, you know, when you're that young and you've, you've had those thoughts come in your head about, you know, harming yourself and not wanting to be a part of the world anymore from a young age, not understanding why you feel that way, why it's like that for you. And then I, 
I grew up with um, a very stigmatized, like, you know, shameful, like, you know, depression is not something you talk about. It's not something that you go get help for, you know, you should be able to handle, you know, all your shit on your own, you know, and that's kind of, um, it's hard for a lot of people. And so I, I dealt with it on my own for a long, long time. And it wasn't until I was probably almost 30 that I was forced to seek help because I knew at that point that I couldn't do it on my own anymore. And so, um, I sought help with mental health uh, facilities and things in that nature and, and got on some medication, which did help and then doing therapy as well. But even now, like I, I am, I took a bit of a break off LinkedIn because um, I was going through a divorce and, you know, just the whole situation was uh, very depressive and, um, you know, I talked about my daughter, my last daughter having her very premature and um, she was in the NICU for three months. We didn't know if we'd be able to bring her home, if she would make it. I had some medical issues that I went through and just that whole spin up of everything like that, just back to back to back. I fell, I fell into that whole depressive yeah. thing again and telling myself like, oh, I can handle it on my own. I'll be okay. And just like, I can do this. And then you know, I found, um, I found an outlet in LinkedIn and helping people where it felt like, you know, that was my outlet. If I could be there for people and help other people, then, you know, for me, it was like kind of like a therapy, but then it got to a point where it's like, okay, I'm still not dealing with some of the issues that I need to deal with. And a lot of it is like guilt and shame too, still from just, you know, past, you know, just that overwhelming yeah. feeling of shame that I should be able to do this on my own. But, you know, people have shared their stories um, out there, including one that um, I respect highly is JJ, who's talked about men's mental health, which should be talked about. Um, because I and, it, and I think, you know, it's not just men, but it's women, too. But really, men, they're taught to be tough and, you know, you don't need help and you got to be tough and you can't cry and you can't, you know, feel feelings and um, I think that culture of it is still around. And so it, it is very hard to reach out. But once you start seeing so many people share stories, you feel less alone. You feel like, okay, I, I, you know, it, it's not just me. There are other people that go through this. And, um, and I, I reached out again for help and started going to therapy and started on a medication. And, and it's really, it's really helped alleviate a lot of that. And, it, it puts it in your head, like, why did I wait so long to reach for help when this, you know, it, but it's shame. It's just the shame of it. And I, I'm sharing my story and I try to share my story so that people who are probably in my situation too, like, it's just, they feel embarrassed, you know, yeah. it's such an embarrassing thing. And mental health is not something that you can see like a broken arm. You can't take an x-ray of it. You can't, you know, see it as, you know, on a CT or, you know, it's, it's sometimes it doesn't present, you know, somebody can hide it through smiles and stuff like that. And you would never know, never know what they're suffering with. No. And, and, and to be honest, I didn't know, like, like, I didn't know what my issue was. I mean, I knew I was getting kind of 
physical stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those where when somebody actually said to me, could you could you be like like stressed? Could you be depressed? Could there be something else going on? People have said to me, were you in denial? And I'm like, I don't believe I was. I mean, it wasn't like I was going away from conversations and going, oh, I don't want to tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, as you said, and I don't want to generalize because I don't want to make mental health seem like something harder for men than it is women, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to do that. But I know men are particularly bad at dealing with it. Because when I started to reach out to some of my male friends and talk about what people were saying to me, like the doctors and the specialists, mm-hmm. a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, I've felt that, or I've had this, or I've had that, or I've gone through this, or I've gone through that. Part of me was like, shit, why have we never talked about it? Like, what? Yeah. what like, I've known some of my friends 30 years why why did I not know that you had that or you not know that I felt like this and and we are and and I think by talking about it we all can understand that we're not alone because I think for me as soon as I was able to talk to my friends about the way I was feeling I automatically felt a little better and I'm not saying it's a magic wand that you don't just wake up and it's gone because you've told three or four people. Yeah. But people just checking in and saying, are you okay? Do you want a meal? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And when I would go back and say, I really don't even want to leave the house. Like I don't even, I don't even feel like I can respond to your text message. Mm -hmm. And then when I would not respond to text messages, Instead of my friends going, what's wrong with you? Come on, and me getting pressure, they would understand. And they would be like, oh, let's leave him and we'll check in in a week or check in in a couple of days. So you, it immediately made me feel a little bit better. Um, and, it, and it is a challenge that a lot of people face behind closed doors, behind closed curtains in private. And... I live in Milton Keynes in the UK, and actually there's, during the pandemic, a a local man set up like a lunch date for men to go along Mm. and talk about these kind of things. And I I called him up and said, could I I come along? Could I help you? I think that would be useful for me. And we had 152 people turn up the first week. Wow. Wow. I I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. Um, So maybe I'm going to ask you a difficult question. What mechanisms you said that that maybe going out on LinkedIn and trying to help people made you feel better? And maybe you thought that was a way of dealing with it. Are there any ways that you've been able to deal with it, like eating differently or exercising or, or whatever? Is there is there a way or do you just literally have to just wait? Um, there, therapy helped a lot because when you start talking about, you know, what it is that you're dealing with and stuff, and even that is scary as hell because you're literally sitting in front of stranger and opening up the most deepest, intimate parts of yourself. You know, it is scary, but when you find a good person that, um, 
you can connect with and stuff there, you know, there's some bad therapists and there's some really good therapists and it's like doctors, right? You might find a good doctor, you might find a bad doctor, but you kind of just have to keep going. You know, I've had good therapists and I have really bad therapists, you know, the bad ones to me are the ones that just want to throw a bunch of medication at you and send you on your way. The good ones are really delve into what are those deep seated rooted issues, you know, and how to change your, your thinking about, you know, what you've been through. And, um, I, I found a really good therapist that, you know, I meet with once a week and, um, and then finally, you know, you know, that, that in itself is good, but I was still struggling with just the deep, like just the lows, you know, and stuff like that. And finally, you know, I talked to my doctor and I was like, okay, you know, this is what's happening. Um, I think I do need to be on some kind of medication to help, you know, that because some of it can be a chemical imbalance. Um, some can be hormonal, especially for women, you know, we go through that time of the month, um, for me right before that time of the month, um, I dip down, I like dive down really hard. And, um, I think that's something that, um, is not really talked about either is that shift in hormones, especially for women, um, that, that some of that can dive you down really, really hard. And, um, and I think some of us blow it off as a, it's just that time of the month, you know, it's just that time of the month we'll get through it. Well, some of it can, it can be lasting. Um, and especially as you get older, you know, our hormones change too. And, and men too, you know, you guys got hormones that you guys deal with as well. And so, um, some medications work, some don't, you know, but you, you kind of just got to stick with it. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it is hard. And, but once you find just that right key and when I did it, I felt this overwhelming, just sense of relief and I mm-hmm. felt normal for me again. And I was like, you know, wow. Um, I wish I had done this sooner, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, I, I'm really glad you're feeling better. I mean, I, I did, obviously I approached you a while ago about doing this podcast and then I could see you weren't around on LinkedIn for a while and I don't know you. Um, this is the first time you've actually spoken and it's <laughs> one of those where do I reach out and, and ask if this person's okay? I'm a man and she's a woman. Is she going to think I'm coming on to her there's all that kind of <laughs> stuff do you know what i mean there's all that stuff yeah. that goes on in 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 people's minds and it's really hard when you you there are a lot of people on linkedin that i see posting all the time and you almost feel that you know those people because you see and and you've put a lot of your life there and a lot of your feelings and and what you're going through so it's almost like i felt i knew you but I didn't. Right. And you don't know me. So right. it's like, do you, how, how do you approach that? Yeah. How do you approach that? Is it, is it going to be the wrong time? I mean, even a lot of my close friends, when I know they're going through a difficult patch, I don't necessarily know how to approach it. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really difficult when someone's an online persona because that person may not be that person you see online, that there is that. But you certainly come across as, as I expected you to, um, but let's pivot to something a, a little bit more, a little bit more fun and a bit more upbeat. 
I, I saw you post um, about listening being like a key skill and it's a gift that people can give to people. Um, my girlfriend would say I'm a crap listener, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think men and women are very different. I, I'm very much a problem solver. My job is all about solving problems. So when she comes to me and she she may want to just talk to me, I just want to fix the problem. Um, but I do think li listening is is very important i think in all in in all kind of conversations whether it's a technical conversation or whether someone just kind of wants empathy and, and wants you to put kind of a virtual alarm around them um but what is it about listening that you think so important um i so in my career i by listening from conversations around me and seeing some of the things that I didn't like, what was coming out of the support field, out of IT, out of cybersecurity is I found that a lot of people, and it, it is changing, a lot of people in this technical field would talk over each other. I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. Kind of just this, just these hangups where, and then even dealing with customers, like, oh, you're kind of talking to them in a like a downward, like you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. And I was like, you know, this is, this is so wrong. This is, I don't like this. I don't like this approach. I don't like what we're doing here. And so for me, when I would go out on a call and I was working with a customer or whatever, I would take the time to sit there and teach as well. Like, this is what happened. This is how it got fixed. You know, a lot of them were really embarrassed. I'm so sorry. I don't know a lot about technology, just felt feeling just very embarrassed, you know, and I was like, no, it's not a problem. You know, everybody has needs the opportunity to learn. So I take the extra time to teach them something. Hey, this is this, this is how you explain this, you know, and really break it down for them. And so I got to where like, I was getting a lot of like, thank you. Thank you for not making me feel stupid. Uh, like I learned something from you. And really that's what it should be about. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to school for those things. So I'm not going to know, you know, shit about law or, you know, how to fix medical problems, even though my mom's a nurse and I've learned a lot over the years listening to her. But, you know, you only know what you know, right? And so to come out aggressively to people that are not in our field and trying to teach them about how how security works, good security habits, why you need to do that, you know, there needs to be a different approach of, you know, start start doing this in a teachable manner. Don't make people feel stupid. You know, listen to them, you know, um, even if it does take extra bit of your time and maybe you, you won't get, you know, everything done in your day. It's worth it. It really is. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I love to learn. I, I recorded another podcast for somebody else bef before this one. And I was talking about how I've always wanted to learn through life and I've, I've always set myself kind of challenges and and those challenges have been around learning you can't learn unless you listen um for, for me that's a fundamental i mean i've sat in in classrooms and and listened to a teacher or, or a technical person giving me kind of information I, i've watched online seminars and webinars where i've listened and even my friends i mean when I go to my friends and I've got something I want to discuss or I've got a problem or I don't know how to approach something or I've got a challenge in life, 
what is the point in asking the question if you're not going to sit there and listen to the answer? Um, and and I've found, I think, similar to you that sometimes people talk down to you. And, and for me, everybody's opinion is an important thing to listen to. They may not be right. They may not be wrong. You You may not be right. But unless you take on other people's kind of comments and you listen to what other people are saying, then you're always going to stay in the same mindset. You're you're always going to keep going down the path you've always gone down and you're not going to change. I'm mm. not saying that that path necessarily is the incorrect path, but you, you should listen to other people's opinions. And that, that comes back to that kind of diversity we talked about before. If people keep doing the things they've always done because they don't listen, then we're always going to come up with the same answers. Um, but before we kind of pivot onto some kind of fun questions, I've got, I guess, one more is kind of breaking into the industry. We 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 hear a lot about the skills gap. Um, we hear about people like trying to get jobs that are kind of entry level jobs but require five to ten years experience. Um a lot of people are trying to break into cyber without knowing necessarily what cyber is. And when I try and explain to, to my mum what cyber is, she just thinks it's computers. Um, <laughs> yeah. She doesn't necessarily realise that there are a wide range of jobs in cyber. Um, but what would your advice be to somebody that's kind of either... Uh, let's do it a fun way. If you could advise yourself... Today, if you were breaking in, what would the advice be for you today? But if you could go back to when you were, say, 16 or 18 years old and advise yourself, what would it be then as well? I think I would tell myself, especially my younger self, is stop being stop being afraid of failure, because I think that really hindered some of my career, um, just being afraid of, you know, failing or, or messing up and or you know, being wrong and being looking like a fool, you know, who cares, you know, you know, in failure, you're going to learn in breaking things. You're going to learn. Um, I, I wish I'd have been a little bit more confident. I was a little bit more shy, a little bit more reserved and, you know, through LinkedIn and putting myself out there. Um, I've networked with so many amazing people in this industry but it is hard. It is hard. And I love the statement of get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, yeah. some of the things that is going to launch your career is you're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're not going to walk into a position knowing everything. You're not going to be an expert in everything. I'm an expert of nothing. I'm a lifelong learner, you know, because I think if you walk in with an attitude of I'm an expert, I, I, you can't teach me anything. You're you're going to you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. It's it's going to kill your career. Um there are so many amazing people out there um up and coming who are just brilliant people and um there, there's people that are smarter than me. And, and you know what? We need that. We need that collective resource because they have different backgrounds and different things they came up through and saw different things. And then that's what I love about where we are today, um, the internet, right? There's a wealth of information out there to go out there and learn for free. You just jump on Google or whatever search engine you would prefer. How do I do this? What is this? It's right there at your fingertips. Back when I first started, you had to go to a library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and doing through index cards and books and which I I miss and I love because you know I love libraries and I love the smell of books and but really it's 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 easier now to learn what you need to know and um I come across stuff all the time I'm like what what is this I mean technology is developing so rapidly that you know you need to be okay with not knowing everything that's okay you don't have to know everything you don't have to be a full-on expert but be teachable be willing to learn because it is changing like rapidly and um new technologies are up and coming you know you talk about things like with ai you know there's a lot of conversations around ai it's fast it's fastly developing and um you've got to get yourself in the position where get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and be ready to learn yeah i think that's good advice um linkedin for me is and i've had people approach me and and whether it be via the podcast that we do or or other other things, people have said you put too much out there of yourself on LinkedIn. And I'm um, like, yeah, I've had people say that to me. Yeah. You know, it's like who cares? That's your opinion. Um, I've had a lot more people reach out to me and thank me for sharing what I share, and you know, I've had people um tell me you know um i've been going through the same situation thank you for sharing i I feel less alone um i've had more thank yous than i've had negative so you know what i'd rather i'd rather ignore the negative and keep you know following the positive i i I think for me is i i've always been this the, the same way i mean i've never had kind of a work persona and a friend's persona i've always just been me yeah and anyone I've ever worked with and funnily enough a lot of people I've worked with are still my friends like 25 30 years later um and I've always tried to not be fake and not be any different because if I get interviewed for a role because of my persona online or because of my resume or cv we call it mm-hmm. and then I turn up and I'm not that person because it's not true then i'm not going to last very long in that company yeah and they may well have hired somebody thinking that person that appears online is going to fit into this organization and i may not fit in because i've not been true i would rather be the honest jay that i am and true, true to myself because if somebody like if i was looking for a new job in the future and somebody reached out to me because they liked what they saw me doing then I am what they're going to hire. This is me. Mm-hmm. And therefore I can turn up on day one knowing that they wanted me for me because that's who I am. I don't. I wouldn't want to be a certain person online or have a certain persona or a certain thing on my resume and turn up and have to fake it. That's hard. Yeah. Um, okay, let's, let's ask some fun questions. Um, at the top of your LinkedIn, and I had to write it down, but at the top of your LinkedIn, it says, not all those who wander are lost. Yep. Tolkien. Where did that come, where did that come from and why? Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings book. And um, I, I struggled with the fact of my resume was kind of all over the place. And not it wasn't for the fact that I wasn't good enough to stay at a place long or stuff like that. And, you know, I've had people kind of, 
not lash out, but kind of be a little bit aggressive about my resume because it is kind of all I haven't been in one place for 10 years. I haven't been in one place for like six years. You know, some of these people get in one place and they stay there for a long time. I, I, I didn't have that because, um, <clears throat> I, I did bounce around because either the contract would end, I was in an area that wasn't plentiful for technology jobs. Um, I worked a lot of um, DOD contracting because one of my ex-husband, he was military. So we moved around. So, and then I had career breaks, Um, but I felt a little bit of shame in that. But at the same time, when I started thinking back and looking at it, me jumping around gave me a lot of opportunity to learn a lot of different things and a lot of new technology and software that I would have never came in contact had I stuck somewhere for like 10 years and just stayed there. And I met so many people, worked on so many different teams and I learned a lot. So for me, not all who wander or lost are, you know, is, is kind of that, you know, I was a wanderer. I was, Yeah. but, um, but I'm not, lost i learned so much out of that yeah we were talking before we hit record about those books about lord of the rings and i know that quote and i told you a story that i was on my way to australia and a friend of mine gave me the lord of the rings books and he'd, he'd been trying to convince me for i don't know <laughs> 15 years to read them and I'm like, i don't have time i don't have time i don't have time and he was like you got 26 hours or whatever it is on this flight um and i remember getting into book three and almost finishing book three when the flight landed and I had to finish. I mean, I was in Australia. I was on holiday for a month and I'm like, I need to finish the book. And then the films came out not long after. Um, and I hated having to wait like a year. I don't know what it was like in the U S but they released one. And then the next one came out a year later and then they released, I think the last films, didn't they released in, in two sections. And I'm like, Oh, um, (laughs) Which one do you reckon was the best? And let's include the Hobbit films as well. Which film was the best? For me, I, I would always say like the first ones are the best just because that that's really where you just dive into the whole story where it, it pulls you in to continue on with it, you know? So for me, that first one is just like, it opens that door and you're so involved in the story that you want to see it continue and you want to watch the next one and the next one. And, you know, um, the things that I've pulled, had to go back in and look at and pulled back out of, you know, in different situations in my life is um, here they are on this adventure and this journey that is not always fun, that is fraught with danger and, you know, uh, at times is miserable. And for me, that's how life is, right? We're on this journey and we you know, most of us, for the most part, want to do good and be helpful. And we want to, you know, take care of people and, you know, be a part of humanity. Well, not all journeys are great and peaceful. And you as a human being can suffer horribly situations. We can go through, you know, deaths and, and, sickness and um, just really hard times. And you see that through the movies where they're struggling. Here's this thing that he's got to carry this burden, but if he doesn't complete this quest, you know, all these things, you know, if he doesn't get there and, and, um, and the, the friendship and the support that he has, 
of you know the group that's following him and trying to protect him and and really that's you could take a life lesson out of that right it's like we need each other we need the support you know we're all on this journey but it's not always easy yeah. and you got to have the courage to keep going when it's hard and at your weakest that you just you get up and you keep going and push through it but and also knowing that you've got people have your back you know and knowing when to say, I need your help, you know, or, you know, and being there for each other. Um, that's, that's why I've gotten out of those movies. And where I keep having to go back to life is not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. I've got to have the courage to keep going. See, there's very few movies that come on the TV that I have to watch every time they come on. Shawshank Redemption is one of them. I'm a massive fan of Top Gun. Every time that's <laughs> on, I watch that. Um, I actually watch Pretty Woman every time it comes on. Um, and Lord of the Rings is one that they, they did a, a showing not that long ago, like just before the pandemic, where they showed all of them in one go in the cinema. Yep. And I went and watched them all. And it was a director's cut. So it went on for what felt like days. And they had a little bit of a break between the movies. Um, but it was incredible. Um, one more question before we finish, and it has to be about food because we've managed to get through like 50 minutes and we haven't talked about food. <laughs> um, I love food, as you can probably tell. Um, what's been the best meal you've ever had? Where was it and what made it great? And it doesn't have to be that the meal was great. It could be the atmosphere, the environment, the view. What was it and where was it? Oh, my gosh. I've been so many places and had so many amazing experiences um but really all I can think back is to my grandmother southern cooking and going over to Thanksgiving or Christmas and my aunts all in the kitchen and and the smell and the aroma of my my grandmother sitting there and and cooking and my aunts in the kitchen and telling us kids to get out of there <laughs> So for me, it's like, yeah, I grew up with a very Southern grandma and actually my, my dad is the one that taught me how to cook uh, Southern style. So just that home comfort meals, yeah. you know, is kind of the best. And it's funny because I've kind of adapted that question over the 30 odd podcasts we've done. And initially when I asked people where their best meal was, they would talk about the food mm -hmm. only. It was a pizza I had here or a steak I had here or whatever I had here. When you start to talk to people about the experience, most people talk about family or friends. The, the, the food almost becomes irrelevant. And I mean, I love food. I talk about food all the time. But I think one of my best ever experiences was having fish and chips on the beach with my dad a few years before he passed away. Now, I never knew he was sick. He knew he was sick. He hadn't told me. Um, but the smile on his face of sitting there together, like on the beach with fish and chips, I'll, I'll never forget. And I don't remember if the food was particularly good. It's the experience I remember. Yeah. And for me, food kind of is an experience most of the time i remember having good meals it's not necessarily because of the meal it's because of the presence of the people and the company i was in yeah um and that we is covered true. a lot of topics yeah today. um 
I could talk to you for hours. Honestly, I could, but we're running out of time. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, I know some of the topics are difficult. I, I, I thank you for talking about them. I think some of them people need to listen to and need to be aware of. Um, is there anything you want to add before we wrap? Yeah, um, I'd love for people, if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, sometimes I am a little bit slow to respond. I do get a lot of messages. Um, but, you know, if you guys are wanting to ask me questions, you know, kind of like if you're trying to break into the industry, I, I love being out there and I love being able to help people because um, the LinkedIn community is the ones that supported me through my career and getting getting me to where I am now. Um and I appreciate that so much and is why I stayed on there is because so many people, strangers, you know, supported me, supported what I was trying to do. And so for me, that's, I want to give back, you know, I want to be the person that helps uplift somebody and cheers them on into their, their career development as well. So, you know, if they want to ask me about being a security analyst or anything or under cybersecurity, I'd be happy to have a conversation with them. And I, I really do enjoy it. So Thank you. That's great. And thank you for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, please give The Edge a like and a follow on your favorite podcast service. And also connect with the SSC Forum on LinkedIn. Get all the latest updates and news on the phenom known as the Security Service Edge.